The What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast show. And uh, I am doing this podcast from home as we in California are uh, sheltering uh, in, in our homes and uh, locally. I have the pleasure today of talking to someone that is going to uh, help us advance the conversation around COVID-19 and everything that's happening in this space. Um, his name is Dilawar uh, Syed. He's the president and CEO of Lumiata and the chair of the California Entrepreneurship Task Force. So first of all, welcome Dil- Dilawar. Sorry, I'm going to make sure I say that right each time. Um, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for the invitation, Aaron. It's great to be here. Yes, and, and as you and I talked a little bit, um, trying to be very sensitive in these times and really staying fairly laser focused. I know you said you are at Lumiata as well with a lot of your efforts, but there are things that you all are doing to help with this uh, public health crisis. And one of the things that I do want to start off with, and, and we'll sort of wind back around to your background, which is quite impressive, but um, we had a little prep call the other day about COVID-19 and why we thought it was important for us to have this conversation right now versus in another month or two months in light of everything that's happening. So let's talk a little bit about you know you and what you're doing and what your company is doing to to really help combat um, COVID nineteen. We'll get into you know what Lumiata does a little bit more in a minute. So absolutely. So look, um, in the last couple of weeks, like it has been for my work family and my family, and, and I'm sure yours and. So many companies um, and our communities uh, around the country and around the world, it's been tough. And in, in many ways, I believe uh, these are the moments that many of us who are privileged to be in leadership roles have been trained for, uh, and, and it's time for us to step up. So uh, my priority as a CEO in these last few weeks was, number one, um, you know, the, the safety and health of our employees. I literally... Uh, strived very hard to um, to lead with that leadership principle, uh, and what that meant immediately was making sure that we were super proactive in taking people off of um, any business travel. Um, so, as you know, in our industry, there's a massive show called Hims. It brings brings together eighty thousand people um, in the healthcare industry, and we canceled our our presence there uh, way sooner than most companies were even thinking about this. I I had a feeling that this was going to be in the eye of the storm, and there's no way we're going to put our people in harm's way in South Florida. Um, you know, frankly, that event took a very long time to cancel. Um, President Trump was going to speak there. I think they were probably driven by that, unfortunately, uh, to keep it on. And then eventually they, they, they canceled at the very last moment. Um, and so that's just an example of, you know, making timely decisions um, uh, to, to make sure that you're putting, you know, your guiding principles uh, as a, as a, as a, you know, uh, uh, guidepost as you make these difficult decisions, which can impact your business. Um, obviously, like m- many of the companies, we've been uh, working from home. We were pretty quick to act upon that as well. And it's been, um, you know, a bit, a bit of an adjustment for many parts of the team to be all remote, but I think we're all in great spirits and, and be very creative about how do we actually engage and motivate folks even as we are not together with each other every single day. And, and I do believe though, Aaron, in times like these is when any company, whether it's small or big, the culture is tested. It's stress tested. And I uh, motivate all of us about this and say, look, we're gonna come out stronger from, uh, from this. 
we're going to come out knowing more about each other, knowing more about our character as people, as a company, as individuals, and also our extended families. Um, so we are all in this together. So I feel like it, it's an opportunity again for us to become even better as uh, people and organizations and, and companies. Now, with respect to, you know, uh, directly how uh, uh, Lumiara can help with this pandemic. Now, we happen to be in the business of healthcare and AI. And one of the reasons, and I know we'll talk about my background a bit later, but one of the reasons that I came to Lumiara and I took over this company is um, I wanted to do something more purposeful in my professional career. You know, I've had the privilege of leading some great enterprise software, consumer tech businesses, uh, building and scaling global companies. I've dabbled into public service in some critical roles. Um, and I thought that at this point in my career, I wanted to deploy that playbook, if you will, for lack of a better term, um, into a more purposeful mission. And Lumiara, from the very get-go, to me, came across as a company which uh, can be in the business of and is in the business of helping lower the cost of care, helping improve the outcomes using AI, using healthcare, big data, and so forth. So that's our mission. We're trying to democratize AI and healthcare data to advance health outcomes and to have hopefully also lower the the cost of care. So where we see ourselves offering um, a hopefully a very direct uh, uh, solution in this in in, in combating this pandemic is uh, you know leveraging AI and the power of data uh, to be able to uh, predict and optimize the resources in a healthcare system. As we know, and I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of it, you know, this pandemic will put a very severe strain on the U.S. healthcare system, and it will actually put a strain on 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 almost any nation's healthcare system. But ours is, you know, from where you know we see, you know, there will be a, a significant, significantly higher percentages of hospitalizations, ICUs. You know, we have 80,000 beds, hospital beds, in the state of California. Um, you know, and and the numbers that we're looking at, uh, there will be 10 to 20 or 30x uh, requirement or demand. Uh, you know, if even when we are able to su suppress um, this 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 pandemic by hopefully investing in uh, social distancing even more. Um, so when you have that kind of a strain on on your on your health system on your resources, we believe we can um, use predictive modeling to be able to better predict what that impact is, be able to better prioritize who do we, you know, if you will, dedicate those resources to, how do the organizations better prepare themselves as we go into this these very difficult uh, weeks and months ahead of our time. So um, there is, there is a, an opportunity for us to put AI to use to help combat this. Obviously, we're in early days. We have yet to see data become available. Unfortunately, we have yet to see testing being done at scale the way it should happen in this country over the last, you know, one month. So, but as soon as that happens and the administration is done trying to accelerate this, you know, we'll be ready along with many others in our fraternity here uh, to be able to take that data and put that to use uh, and, and help optimize the use of our precious uh, resources in the healthcare system. Well, it's a helpful background. And, uh, you know, I think what I like about this is the fact that a lot of people right now, as they should be, are very focused on the front lines of triage and getting tests that, you know, done, thinking about vaccines. I think people are starting to pick up their heads a little bit and think about that issue that you talked about, the hospital beds and what if those things are overrun, talking about, you know, resources and all that. We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, but I do want to go back because I think it's important for people to understand, you know, 
who is leading the charge here. And uh, I, I think the fact that you have such an impressive background, both on the, the professional front and civic is important and can help us better interpret things like the data when they get here. So we will go to your background, which is over the last 20 years, um, you started at Ernst & Young and then Deloitte as a consultant. You're now the president and CEO of Lumiata, as we mentioned. You've had some important stops in, in between at places like Oracle, Yahoo, and Freshworks. Let's talk a little bit about that journey and, and what headed you down that path. I, I know you talked about why you ultimately chose to Lumiata, but let's talk about what happened before that. So as you mentioned, you know, I was very privileged to work at some great firms. Um, I, I grew up in management consulting. You know, I often tell uh, you know, graduates, uh, I was actually at UT Austin, my alma mater recently, and I was speaking to the graduate class there, and I said, look, consulting is a great place to start your career because often at times you are the biggest resource to have as people to invest in you. Um, and so I was fortunate to have this incredible training and mentorship uh, at Deloitte and Ernst Young. Then after business school, um, you know, came back to the Valley and, and worked at Siebel Systems in product role, uh, which as you many folks may know, was acquired by Oracle a few years later. Um, and I, I, I think product management is, uh, is a discipline that really prepares you to be a, a general manager down the road um, as you get to work with multiple functions and, and build a business. So that was just a tremendous learning at Siebel, which you know, uh, frankly, attracted great talent back in the day in the Valley, and many of those folks have gone on to do amazing things across the Valley. Um, and then I did something very entrepreneurial, actually ran a social network um, after leaving Yahoo, uh, you know, so that was the consumer tech uh, in arena. And then most recently before joining Lumiara, I was at Freshworks as um, the founder of our North America operations and business. It's a company that came out of India. Um, that has done um, incredibly well, one of the fastest growing software and service companies in the world. Uh, we grew from um, literally 40 people in 2013 to now more than 2,000 globally, and it's democratizing you know, software for the mainstream economy, especially at a time like this, I think you know, companies, companies like those are gonna solve the needs of these businesses. Um, and that was an incredible scale experience. Um, the company's been very successful, and I got to work with a global team uh, so my journey uh, is is a mix of you know uh, leadership roles in large companies and in, in software and consumer tech as well as these entrepreneurial journeys at fast growth uh, companies in the sector. You obviously learn from all those roles. Um, you know there is definitely a learning that you get take from larger firms that could be deployed in entrepreneurial settings. But I think one of the things that you uh, you know, very importantly, learn in, in smaller companies, especially when you go through a growth mode, is you know the people side of it. You know, how do you how do you set up a culture? How do you scale a culture? Uh, how do you make the most with with least amount of resources? And and you know, how do you build up a company in the face of entrenched competition, like at Freshworks? You know, we're competing with Salesforce, if you will. So, anyways, that's been my journey professionally, um, and and I'm, I'm new to healthcare and AI, but in many ways. I'm able to leverage um, a lot of the learning that I've had from various other industries and functions, um, you know, as well as, of course, the general broader management skills. Well, it makes sense. And uh, I, I do want to mention that Lumiata is a leader in the AI health analytics market, which you mentioned. Um, you also have some very impressive investors. And I mentioned these just because, you know, these are folks that I think are, are truly invested in public health and um, how we impact those using responsible AI. So Coastal Ventures, Blue Cross, Blue Shield Ventures, and Intel Capital, all companies that are, you know, smart and, and steeped in this space. 
I do want to talk a little bit more about your civic background, because I think in a time like this, you and I were talking a little bit about the importance of policy, and we'll get into a little bit more of the, the politics without talking about politics. But uh, in 2010, you became the commissioner of President Obama's Advisory Commission on Asian Americans. Uh, today, you're the chair of the California Entrepreneurship Task Force. Walk us through this important aspect of your career and sort of how that helps you with the Lumiata AI health analytics piece of the business. That's a great question. And I'm going to do justice to that question, Aaron. Um, so look, first of all, before I walk into this, I, I'm of a firm belief that all business leaders, all entrepreneurs uh, must have outside work passions that they should pursue. You know, we're very lucky as people to have had these opportunities and often great education, both in the professional world, but also prior to that. And you better deploy that more to broader life than if you were just things that we do uh, in our work capacity. So with that principle, I was involved in the civic arena in a much earlier part of my career. Um, you know, in the 07 uh, is when uh, then Senator Obama decided to run for presidency and I got involved in this campaign. And I must say, I was driven in part because of foreign policy aspect. You know, I was, um, um, uh, you know, like many other people at the time were upset about the Iraq war. And I felt that, you know, we, um, especially this community here in the Valley had to play its role to sort of get us to a different path. Um, you know, helped with the campaign uh, in various capacities. The president obviously went on to become elected. And, um, you know, I expressed my interest in the policy front. And uh, I got a call from the White House and after almost a year long wedding process, which was quite uh, revealing in terms of how these things work, um, I was appointed in this uh, incredible role to be an ambassador, if you will, for the White House in various communities around the country uh, for furthering um, entrepreneurship, for supporting small and medium businesses, for actually even um, uh, advocacy for immigration reform. And, you know, at the time, the rollout of Affordable Care Act, which was, as you know, President Obama's signature domestic agenda. Now, incidentally, we are talking about this, all of this being rolled out right after the financial crisis and the Recovery Act was passed. So, you know, um, it's uncanny that we are in this time right now, and it's reminiscent a little bit of, of 2009-2010 timeframe when, you know, our economy collapsed in the greatest recession. And I was one of those leaders who was deployed, if you will, in various communities around the country to take the White House message and connect these communities to various federal agencies um, and make sure people knew that if you were a small medium business and if you were, all, you know, or if you were an African-American owner who often didn't know where to go and get resources, here's where you go and actually get an, a, apply for a grant and so forth. If you're a health tech company that wants to get started, there is some dollars that is being made available because now there's a whole um, movement to get EMR done as part of AC and so forth. So which is an incredible opportunity to be that you know connector if you will between various business communities and our communities and the white house and i did that for almost four years while running my company so this was an advisor role i wasn't full-time in dc in fact i made sure that i spent my time in, in across the country and not in washington dc um, because you really you know you, you get to meet some amazing communities and you, you get to see what the reality is um so that role um was just again a huge privilege and a lot of growth for me personally as well uh, to this day, you know, that I, that I, if you will, apply it to my, to my broader life and my professional life. So that's, that's been the journey on the Obama administration. Um, most recently, over the last couple of years, I uh, stepped into this, um, what I would call probably a, 
uh, for the first time in the history of California, we have put together a task force uh, to drive a more inclusive entrepreneurship in the state of California. Um, I actually started this effort uh, with, with some friends who went on to work for Governor Newsom and then the state adopted this model. The idea is that while Silicon Valley does pretty well, when you go even two or three hours south of here next to the Central Valley, you will see that you're in a different part of the country, quite frankly, or different part of the world. There is a huge socioeconomic disparity and it's unacceptable that given how well we do here in our zip codes, you know, our neighbors are quite frankly at a very different level. And why is it that we as tech companies are not investing in these regions uh, while we go around the country and often around the world to have second offices? So I've been driving that agenda for the governor with the help of obviously of our you know, great leaders in Sacramento who are coming core focus on business and entrepreneurship. And so we have a group of you know, 12 um, uh, task force members. They're all civic minded, peers of mine from various industries, uh, various ethnic backgrounds. Uh, and we have, we have, our mandate is to drive a more inclusive entrepreneurship across inland California, and especially you know, with women and, and people of color. Um, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a role that I find grateful for men to be able to walk into these rooms where many a times they've never been convened. We never have had you know, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and investors engage with these communities for investment or for mentorship. Well, it's, it's comforting to have people like you doing the things you're doing and, and really are grateful for the fact that that's one of the things you chose as your hobby or your, you know, your outside of professional uh, life. I guess um, back to coronavirus and then we'll tie it into what you're doing. How do you see things playing out over the next four to six months you know, in the U.S. and globally? And what role should leaders like yourself play who you, know, you are leading this healthcare tech-enabled company and you're very involved in the civic space? Um, talk a little bit about that. It's a difficult question. And honestly, I don't think anyone can really assess or suggest where things will be. What we do know is this will be probably a crisis that probably none of us in our lifetime have ever seen or have experienced um, it's, it's becoming a crisis. And as you can just see in the last few weeks, in the United States, we've been late to realizing how significant this was. Um, our federal government was very late in taking this seriously and, and injecting the seriousness. This is about lives. This is about people's well-being and safety. This is not about politics. This is not about Republican Democrats. It's about people. It's about citizens. And the singular responsibility of government and of leaders, and I would include leaders my, myself and everybody else, is the well-being of people, period. And, and that's a cost institutional responsibility we have. So uh, I, look, I don't, I mean, there, there are models out there that everybody and all of our listeners I'm sure have seen that suggest a unprecedented um, impact on public health. And unfortunately, many deaths and many people being hospitalized, but nobody knows for sure where we'll go. It will be a big time, it will be a, a function of how seriously do we take social distancing, right? do we really implement it, not just in the Bay Area and Seattle and New York, but across the country, in parts of the country where, you know, frankly, people are being told, it's okay, you should go to restaurants and help small middle businesses. So it is, so I don't think the country is taking this thing as the entire country as consistently as it should. But what we do know is this will be a very serious event in a lifetime. And, um, and we all have to do our part. 
And regardless of, I mean, we happen to be in the business where we are reacting to this and making sure we are part of the solution. But even if some of our listeners are not, there are ways we all can do our part. So, you know, um, that's just my, 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 my response to your question. This is going to be something, uh, uh, you know, quite um, dramatic in terms of its, if it's impact on our public health, impact on our economy. And we are looking at numbers like 20%, up to 20% unemployment rate in the country. I don't think anybody has ever seen that um, pretty much in a lifetime. And that has an incredible downstream effect, you know, of all sorts of levels, you know, it's on policy economy, but also people's mental health and so forth. So, you know, we, we are in some seriously uncharted waters. At the same time, the optimist in me, the entrepreneur in me, the problem solver in me believe that it's also an unprecedented opportunity for us to step up our game as people, as entrepreneurs, as leaders, as public leaders and be innovative, be, think about what can we do about this. So I'll give you our example. You know, I challenged the team about 10 days ago, and I said, we have to play a role here. Beyond just obviously taking care of each other and working from home, what is, our, what is, what is the ways where we can help? And we started thinking about the youth cases where Lumiara can actually help with the COVID-19's impact on the US health system. And make sure we were ready to have these conversations with potential partners, with potential customers, with potential partners in the U.S. federal government and, 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 and state level uh, agencies. So we just have to be very timely. We just have to lean in heavily. We just have to make sure that, you know, we are not treating this as a, you know, snow day or as a blizzard. So we're going to shut down for a week or two. This is a, this is a mid to long term situation. And this might be a multi-seasonal situation. And now is the time to actually literally channel the energy of this new cycle um, to see what can all of us do, right? And, and be not shy about it. You know, the best thing we can do right now is overreact. That will save lives, that will, that will create innovations, that will create a new ways for us to, you know, move the ball forward to keep our society and our people healthy all over the world. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And a lot of people I've talked to, you know, aside from the fact that this is such a horrific event, there is going to be positive that will come out of it. It it will drive innovation. It will force us to be smarter and healthier. It's going to make us rethink the whole, I think the whole healthcare system and telemedicine and how we get things done. I like that, you know, you're in the middle of this thinking about how can we optimize the, the resources and, you know, the how we're addressing it. Um, and so, you know, I think that's really what we all have to stay focused on because otherwise it's, it's really easy to get overwhelmed with everything that's happening and, you know, just what a crisis it is and, and something that we've never lived through before in our lives. I do want to ask this next question and it's a setup for the, the, the last question. So, you know, folks bear with me that this isn't gratuitous, but uh, after yesterday we're recording this on the 18th. So the day after St. Patrick's day and the, one of the other Super Tuesdays um, where Florida, Illinois, and Arizona voted. Um, it looks like Vice President Joe Biden is starting to pull away from Senator Bernie Sanders. We, we kind of knew that was coming. Um, given your involvement as a surrogate in Secretary Clinton and then President Obama's past presidential elections, can we assume that you'll be similarly involved this fall as Vice President Biden you know, now faces off against Donald Trump uh, in the presidential elections? Well, I've been um, involved with the 
President Joe Biden's campaign from the very get-go. In fact, before it was even launched, um, is someone that I have a deep um, admiration for, in part because I served in the Obama-Biden administration, but I've seen up close and personal, uh, you know, his empathy and his good heart and frankly, his professional competence. Um, so I, I, I have been advising on, on a whole range of policy, but also in various engagement, uh, both with respect to the role of Silicon Valley and engaging in this campaign, but also broadly in communities. So yes, you can expect me to uh, be very fairly involved, even the general campaign, as we go into the next few months. It, it will be an interesting time because for the first time in in, uh, in living memory, you're going to have a virtual campaign. You know, there's um, the campaigns, uh, all of them, uh, and I hope they all follow that. We're going to treat people's you know, health first, so you're not going to see rallies. You know, conventions might be in a in a different mode as well. But yes, uh, I will be involved um, as we as we go into the next few months. So that, as I mentioned, is a setup for this last one. And you know, I don't want to get political because obviously. Um, and I think you've got a good answer for this. You know, it's important not to be about politics right now. It's important to be focused, to come together. But uh, let's talk a little bit about what the impact of COVID-19 will have on the fall elections, both in Congress and in the presidential race. So crashes like COVID-19 are an ultimate reminder that your leadership principles, your core, your personal values, your competence, your integrity, um, your belief in, um, in, in truth and science, um, all of those things that you often in textbook style read about leadership, right? I read in my business school class are absolutely table stakes. It's not about a political party. It's not about ideology. It's not even about policy positions. It's about the fundamentals of leadership that you have to bring to bear to manage a crisis that is literally about people's lives, literally about people's lives. I don't think ever before in the history of at least my generation around the world, you've seen situations where public officials, whether at the federal level in various countries or including our country or state or regional, are held accountable what happens when the people live or die. So yeah. yes, that will have an impact. That will have an enormous impact, not only on the presidential election, but on, on, at the congressional level, Senate level, local people will, and they should always have had, but now they will play, even pay even greater attention to competence, not just slogans or, or um, you know, emotional um, hyperbola. It's about, you know, do, 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 do these people have the ability to execute and take care um, uh, of my and my children and my parents' lives and, and keep us safe? So yes, this is, this is going to have an impact in election in all sorts of ways. And by the way, it's a call to action to all those leaders who are, including Vice President Biden, right? And, and, and I know I can, as a biased observer, I can speak to it, that we are working really hard to communicate that. Be ready to have a plan not just when you get there, but before you get there. That's what everybody will be held accountable to, and they should be. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably is comforting to some that in this crazy times, both with COVID-19 as well as the financial markets uh, doing cartwheels, and not in a good way, that knowing that Biden alongside with Obama and, and you know, some of the administration did live through 
what was, you know, the worst downturn, I guess, short of the Great Depression uh, back in 2008 and helped us pull out of that tailspin. And so we know that he brings a level of thoughtfulness and uh, no guarantees that he wins. But certainly, um, I think, you know, if he if he does pull through, then that's something a lot of people are looking forward to. And he does seem to be a tremendously empathetic person who really does care about people and care about doing the right thing. And, you know, hopefully that will, uh, that will send a strong message to the nation as it heals. Absolutely. Um, and, and I can tell you from my experience, um, you, you sum it up very well. Um, you know, look, at the end of the day, you got to care for people. You got to have the empathy. And that is a fundamental thing, you know, that I have tried to bring to bear in my role as a CEO. And I would expect the same from a president, um, especially at a time like this. Well, we'll end on that note. I know this was a little heavy, but I appreciate uh, everyone listening in. And, you know, I think that message that we can take away is uh, there, there can be some silver linings that will ultimately come away from this. It's great to know that we have people like uh, Dilawar, who's, you know, helping us navigate. Uh, this is Aaron Strout, CMO of uh, W2O and the host of the What to Know podcast show. And we've just spent the last half hour with Dil- Dilawar Syed, who is the president and CEO of Lumiata and chair of the California Entrepreneurship Task Force. Thank you so much for joining us and um, you know, really looking forward to keeping an eye on what you and Lumiata are doing as well as what you'll be doing uh, with the California Entrepreneurship Task Force. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Aaron. Please uh, stay healthy and keep safe. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.